Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're wondering, children, why I called you up here is because you're going to help me preach this morning, okay? What feast are we in right now? What are we celebrating? Why am I in blue? No? Okay. Somebody besides my kids. <laughs> it's the nativity of the Theotokos. That's some big words. What does nativity mean? Anybody know? The birth. Yes. That's why we talk about Christmas. We'll talk about the nativity of Christ, the nativity of the Theotokos. We all know who the Theotokos is, right? Yes. So we are celebrating and still in the feast of the birth of the Theotokos. Who are the parents of the Theotokos? Joachim and Anna. That is correct. How do you know the name Anna already? Is that, am I being funny? Sort of. What is the name of our church? St. Anne's, right? St. Anne or Anna is the grandmother of Christ. So we have in this feast, we have... Joachim and Anna giving birth to Mary. What happened to them? What, what in this feast? Was Joachim and Anna, were they very young? Did they have lots of children? And then came along Mary? No. I see a shaking of the head. What happened? Was Anna unable to have children? The answer is yes, she was unable to have children. Can you remember of any other couples in the Bible who are not able to have children? Yes, Ellie. Elizabeth and Zachariah, good. That was one that it took me a little digging and remembering to remember Elizabeth and Zachariah. That's the parents of John the Baptist, right? Are there any other from the Old Testament? Yes. Abraham and Sarah, yes. We can get to older kids, too. That would be great. <laughs> that might uh, increase our uh, reception or answers here. Can you think of any other parents that wanted to have children but could not have children? Hannah and Elkanah. Hannah and Elkanah. That is the mother of the prophet Samuel. There's at least two others that I can think of. Isaac and Rebekah. And Jacob and Rachel. These are all parents who cannot have children. And what happens? What does God do for them? He gives them a child. Who appeared to St. Anne? Because St. Joachim and St. Anne, they were very uh, distressed. They were depressed. They were overwhelmed. Joachim went off into a mountain and St. Anne went into a garden where they were weeping and they were praying. And who appeared to St. Anne? The archangel Gabriel appeared to St. Anne and told her that she was going to have a child, the Theotokos. So after the Theotokos was born, what did St. Anne do with Mary? She took care of her. She protected her. Yes. 
When she was three years old, she brought her to the temple. So she prepared Mary to come to church, just like your parents do in the morning, right? Just like your parents do when they get you out of bed and get you prepared, say your prayers, and you go to church. What is one way in which we can celebrate this feast that we're in right now? Yes, Ellie. Ah, sweetness. You could bake a cake. It's a birthday party, right? So one thing you could ask your parents next year when we come to the Nativity of the Theotokos is to bake a cake or maybe have a cupcakes or something else that you like at your birthday. One of the main ways that we can celebrate this feast is for us to remember the Theotokos, right? That we honor and magnify the Theotokos as scripture tells us that all generations will call her blessed, right? That she is the mother of God and that we remember to pray to her and to ask for her prayers for us. We're also right at the beginning or we're looking to another feast. What is the feast that's upcoming this week? Walker. October is coming, yes. It's a great time. I love October. It starts cooling down, hopefully. (laughs) Yes. The exaltation of the precious and life-giving cross. Do you guys know the story about this feast? Because this is not the feast of just the commemoration of the crucifixion of our Lord, right? We celebrate, celebrate that during Holy Week, right? So the exaltation of the cross after our Lord suffered and died on the cross after he ascended into heaven after Pentecost, the area in which he was killed on Golgotha, the pagan emperor, the Roman emperors, they wanted to obliterate, they wanted to destroy all the holy places where the Christians uh, came to venerate. So what did they do? They built temples over those places. The emperor Hadrian built a temple over the place of Golgotha and the sepulcher, and he dedicated it to the goddess Venus, and a statue of Jupiter was put there. So, this happened pretty quickly after our Lord died and was resurrected. Then St. Constantine, later on, after he made Christianity legal, did you know during the first few hundred years of Christianity, what did the Roman Empire think about Christianity? No good, right? And what did they do with Christians? They were... There you go, there's a hint. They killed them? Yes, we call that martyrdom. That's why we have a lot of martyrs in the church, especially in the first few centuries, because the Roman Empire did not want them worshiping Jesus Christ, because they would not worship the emperor. They did not worship the gods of the empire. But St. Constantine sent his mother Helen... St. Helen, to look for the cross. And so she went to the Holy Land and she started asking around because we still have people like this is great grandparents who would tell the story and remember where the places uh, where Jesus was, where he died, where he prayed in the garden, etc. So after she was looking and looking, she found somebody who told her to go look by the temple dedicated to Venus. 
And there, lo and behold, on the ground, once they destroyed the temple, because she was the emperor's mom, right? She could just go and destroy a temple. What did she find on the ground that was growing? Basil. Do you know why basil? And this, is, this is, will be put around the cross when we bring out the cross here this week. Do you know why we have basil? Yes, Joseph. You don't know. Can you think of Saint Basil? Yes, Saint Basil the Great, right? This is also a name. Maybe you are more familiar with basil. That's a more British way of saying it. Have you ever had basil in your food? So basil is something that grows and is an herb, but it also, basil is a shortened form or it echoes king and kingdom. So you say Saint Basil, you're basically saying Saint King. Right? So, underneath that basil, they dug and they found three crosses. So they have a quandary. What do they do with the three? Which of the crosses is the cross in which our Lord died? Yes. The biggest one. I like that answer. No, it was not the biggest one. They also found the, I'll say the sign that was on the cross. There was someone who was very sick and she came and she venerated the three crosses and then the third cross, as she venerated it, she was healed. They were astounded. At the same time, there was a funeral procession going by. And the patriarch, Makario, stopped the funeral procession. And he brought the crosses over and touched the man. And the same cross that healed the woman made this man get up and walk. So it healed him. This is part of the reason why we call the cross the life-giving cross. To this day, we remember this feast because we remember the cross being found that our Lord and God died on. Do you remember the icon of this feast at all? Not you, Joseph. Anybody else? What is in the middle of it? You have bishops, and the bishop is holding up. What is he holding up in his hands? The cross. Yes. He's holding up the life-giving cross. Because as soon as they discovered which cross it was, the bishop got, went to the local church. He stood up. Uh, well, and then back in the day, we have this ambon here. They would have had a big thing that they would have stepped up onto to read the gospel and preach from in the middle of the church. He goes up on the middle of the church, and they all sing, Lord, have mercy, over and over again as he blessed them with the cross. So, why do we venerate the cross? Yes, so that we can be good so that we can be healed of our sins I like that answer better than what I thought I heard you say <laughs> yes so that we can be healed of our sins you know there are churches throughout the world that have little fragments of the precious cross in it it's why we have relics as well but it is especially the relic of the life giving cross that we venerate the cross as I asked about the, the feast that we're in, what are some ways in which we can remember this feast? I'll think about food. You could do something with basil, make some pesto or something, especially because, oh, children, pesto's great. <laughs> especially because the feast of the cross is a strict fast day, so pesto would be great. We can, as the church, in the church, we have the cross put out for the entire week of the feast, right? 
and we come and we bow down and we venerate the cross and we sing hymns to the cross, right? So these are hymns that we can do in our homes and your prayer corners. You can have your cross, but maybe if it's on the, the wall, you can put it down or if it's in a place where you can venerate it. Throughout the week, you can do prostrations before the cross and sing the hymn, O Lord, save thy people, or we, be, we bow down before thy cross, right? Every day, I hope that you all make the sign of the cross. Can you all show me the sign of the cross? Where, especially during the services of the church, this morning, to remember throughout the services, especially when you hear either the choir or the priest say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you make the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross is something that we do during our prayers. It's something that you can do as you're going to school. As before you eat your food, you can make the sign of the cross at the end of your prayers. You can even, with the same way that you have your fingers together and you make the sign of the cross, you can bless your food with the sign of the cross. Because the cross heals us of our sins. The cross puts to flight the demons. The cross is our consolation. The cross brought salvation. It is what God died on. Yes, Joseph? So the cross brings an airplane for the demons? No. <laughs> the cross helps us when you're feeling sad when you are feeling overwhelmed when you are feeling like you are struggling against something your parents have said do this thing and you're really struggling because you don't want to do it but you need to do it you can make the sign of the cross remember God and go ahead and do the thing that your parent told you to do <laughs> to remember our Lord this is another time that we make a cross. It's not the sign of the cross. But when we come up to Holy Communion, we make a cross on our chest where we are preparing ourselves to receive, but we're also in our bodies. You can see where there's a cross that's made over our body as we receive Holy Communion. As I am talking about Holy Communion, we're starting Sunday school today. So because we have destroyed a few walls, I'm sure you've noticed that we've destroyed a few walls here, we are going to have all of the toddlers, the preschoolers, they're going to come up first to receive Holy Communion because they're going to go back to the back to go to classes. But the rest of the school-age children will have class after the veneration of the cross. You guys will come forward first at the veneration of the cross, and then you'll go back to the classroom. And we're going to do this just like when we are lining up to receive Holy Communion and we have our arms crossed and we're quiet. We have our mouths like this, that we are thinking about what we're about to receive. So when we come up and we venerate the cross and we go back to the classroom, we are quiet because we're about to receive instruction. We're about to learn about our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? All right, you guys can stand up and come a little bit forward. We're going, I'm going to go ahead and do uh, the water blessing because not everyone's going to be just the craziness of later. Lord our God and Creator, thou hast honored us with thine own image, and didst teach thy chosen disciples that the fear of thee is the beginning of true wisdom. 
Thou hast revealed thy wisdom to children, and didst teach thy law to Solomon and to all those who sought thee in purity of heart. Open the hearts, the minds, the lips of those who are students, that they may perceive the power of thy law and successfully comprehend the useful things which will be, pa- be taught them, so that they will understand thy perfect will and contribute to the building up of thy holy church. Deliver them from every snare of the enemy. Preserve them in true faith and in righteousness and purity all the days of their lives, that they may grow in wisdom and the observance of thy commandments and may be revealed as worshipers of thy name and heirs of thy kingdom. Bless also their teachers, O Lord. Grant that their words may be free from every worldly deceit and vanity and may always clearly proclaim the word of thy truth. For thou art God, the author of truth and the fountain of wisdom, and unto thee do we ascribe glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Now and ever and 